This is the second in our series, the Neighbor Series, and the subtitle is, Are You Available? Now, last Sunday morning, I read um, the portion that we're using for this uh, setting, uh, but I only read the first couple of verses. I read down to where the lawyer asked Jesus a question, and who is my neighbor? This morning, I want to read the entire conversation between Jesus and a lawyer that came to one of his meetings. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 29, if you'd like to follow along with me. And while you're turning to that, let me join Pastor Reagan in saying welcome to all of you, especially those of you that are here today um, uh, because of the storm, and uh, we're glad to have you in Augusta. I want you to know that we... How many, how many are here that, that... Just raise your hand. Would you do that? We've get, we got some here, back here. <laughs> I, listen, I, I really feel this in my heart. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, I met some earlier. But I, I'd like for us to pray personally for you. So I'd like for those of you that are here visiting with us, you're from the storm, would you just stand? And then I'm going to ask some people right around you. Okay, you see these folks? Congregation, would you just stand and reach to these folks around, those of you that are close enough to them, just lay hands on them and pray for them. Pray for God's protection, pray for God's provision, and God's blessings on them. Will you do that? Father, we thank you for our neighbors that are visiting with us today. And Lord, we realize that the circumstances that has brought us to us, brought them to us today, are, are very critical. And Lord, we just pray for them that supernaturally that you will minister to them as only you can. Let them know, Lord, that the body of Christ cares. Lord, we just bless them today in the name of Jesus, and we pray that there will be provision for everything. Lord, anything that's been lost, we pray that you will return to them sevenfold everything that's been taken. We pray for that kind of restoration and that kind of blessing and that kind of favor from the Lord on their lives today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yes, thank you. God bless you. And, and you may be seated. We're, we just, I, that's the kind of God we serve. He's a God of restoration. Amen. He is able to restore and he's able to bless in a powerful way. We, we got a call yesterday. I didn't realize it, but uh, I think it's Richmond Academy that the gym there is uh, filled with people, a lot of them homeless, that have escaped to Augusta from the storm. And uh, we got in touch with uh, Pastor George over here, and uh, he was able to connect. Somebody told me this morning, said, we saw the bridge pastor at uh, Richmond Academy helping out. With, and uh, they didn't know Pastor Rogers in uh, Wichita, Kansas, but Pastor George looks so much like him <laughs> that when he's gone, we don't even know he's gone. George just steps right into his place and, and just moves right on with it. And uh, thank you, George, for all that you did yesterday on a short notice. He made the contacts that were necessary, and, and we thank you for that so much. Thank the Lord that he's provided many things for us, and we're able to be a blessing to others through our food pantry and, and other things that we do. And all of you that help with that, thank you so much. My text this morning, as I said, is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 29. Follow with me, if you will. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He, Jesus, said to him, 
What's written in the law? What is your reading? So he, the lawyer, answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? That's where we stopped last week. But I want to read the answer that Jesus gave him this morning. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he, the lawyer, said, he who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Wow, what a beautiful story. Now I want you to get the setting. I want you to get the picture. A lawyer shows up at a meeting where Jesus is speaking. Now, I want you to understand he was not there on a, a good mission. He actually came to disturb the service. He came with the idea in mind that he could ask a question that would be so um, challenging and maybe couch it in such a way that it would be so difficult for Jesus to answer that it would cause havoc and, and mess up the service and maybe cause some people to stop following him. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a presidential debate, wouldn't you think? <laughs> His purpose was not good. Do you understand what I'm saying? His purpose was to discredit Jesus and his ministry. But boy, was he in for a surprise because Jesus turned it on him and asked him some questions and told him a story that gave real revelation about this thing of who is your neighbor. So let's look at now, let's meet the man who was on the journey. The man, according to the scripture, was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, those are just two names of two cities in uh, Israel that, uh, that really doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody unless you've made several trips there and are kind of familiar with the territory and the surrounding areas. So let me just give you a little idea of what it's like. The distance between these two places is 21 miles. And it's over rough terrain. When you go down from Jer Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, it's a descending grade, uh, very rough, ro rugged, rocky ground, and ideal for robbers to hide 
among the rocks and overtake unsuspected travelers. It was a dangerous, treacherous 21 miles between these two cities. He fell among thieves, the Bible says, this traveler that was going on that journey. Unsuspectedly, suddenly there appeared, we don't know how many, but a bunch of thieves uh, came to him. And, and, and I, I, I like the way it says he fell among thieves. He fell among thieves. And, and here's what the thieves did. They stripped him, wounded him, and left him half dead. Boy, I mean, you, you're talking about the, these thieves that came out and grabbed this guy. They, they not only took everything that he had, they robbed him of everything that he had. They even stripped him of his clothes. And then they beat him up. Unmercifully, they beat him up and left him half dead. In other words, when they walked off and left this guy, the assumption in their mind was that this guy's going to die. We beat him up enough, he won't recover. He won't be able to tell anybody who it was. We've taken care of him. <laughs> he's, he's a goner. And, and they walked off from him under these uh, circumstances and, and in this situation. Secondly, I want you to meet these thieves. These thieves lived by a philosophy of life that um, we see in our own culture today that some people live by the same philosophy of life. Their philosophy of life is this, what's yours is mine and I'll take it. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I will ask the question, how many of you have run into somebody like that in your life? They don't, they don't give a hang whether you live or die. They don't give a rip whether you survive or not. Just they'll, they'll take anything you've got as long as they're, if they, if they can do it, they will take advantage of you. And that's what these guys were doing. That's the philosophy of these thieves. What's yours is mine. They, there are people today that don't think you deserve what you work for. They don't think what you deserve what you've earned. And, and, and so they'll just take it from you if they have the opportunity. And they will do it by any means or method that they can. Uh, the thieves were very deceptive, as most of the time thieves are. They don't, um, they don't play fair. They didn't accost this guy in Jerusalem where he may have had family and friends. They, they, did, they didn't challenge him in front of other people. They waited until he was alone. They, they, these were predators. They were, like, they were like animals looking for a weak one to pounce upon. They, they hid in the rocks and the rough terrain and, and jumped on him where he was indefensible. Thirdly, they had a total disregard for life. They didn't care about this guy. We don't know. He may have had a family. We don't know who was depending on him for, for his support. But they didn't care. Thieves don't care who you may. They don't care if you have a wife and kids. They don't care if you have a mother or father that you're looking after. They don't care what you're, they don't care. They have a total disregard of life. Now that, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. But there are people like that in our society. What it tells you and me is how far man has fallen in his sinful state and in his sinful nature. 
I never cease to be amazed. It really, it really bothers me. There's certain things that bother me worse than others. And, and one of the things that really bothers me is when I see people taken advantage of that can't defend themselves. I remember many years ago, we were down on Crawford Avenue, one of the elderly ladies in our church, she got taken twice by the same kind of scam. Uh, a pickup truck rolled up in front of her house one day and a couple of fine looking men got out and they knocked on her door. And when she came to the door, they said, uh, we're, we're, we're from the city, uh, we're from the highway department, the road department, and, and um, they're going to widen the street in front of your house and uh, we're, we're finding everybody's property line. Do, do you know where the corner of your property is? She, oh, yes, I, I know. So would you come out and show us where the, where the property line is? And so she walked out in the front yard to the property line. And as she was showing them the property line, they had somebody else that went around the back of the house and broke in the back of her house. And it was the first of the month. She was living on a fixed income. And she had just gotten her... Her, her monthly check for her retirement and social security and had just gotten it all cashed and, and was ready to pay her bills. Well, they stole her pocketbook and, and everything. And, and she didn't realize it until she got back in the house. And several hours later, when she was looking for a purse for something, she realized that these guys had stolen from her about two years after that pickup truck rolls up in front of her house. It was right after that we'd had a hailstorm here. And somebody knocked on the door and said, well, we're from a roofing company and we noticed some little damage on your roof and we can help you get insurance coverage for that. If you, would you come out, let, let us show you what we're talking about. So she came out in the yard and looked up and, uh, and while, same thing while she was looking at her roof, they were, went in the back of her house and stole everything from her again. Now folks, I, it's in times like these that you're really glad I'm not God. I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'd, I'd, I'd zap somebody big time. It, 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 I hate to see people taken advantage of when they're helpless. I hate to see handicapped folks taken advantage of. I hate to see elderly folks taken advantage of. And I, the older I get, the more I hate to see elderly folks taken advantage of. I'm really getting a thing about that. You know, but, but listen, let, let, let me tell you something. God is more merciful than we are. And, and God is long-suffering. And the reason he's long-suffering is because he gives, God, he gives people time to repent and a chance to get right. But if they don't, there is a judgment, folks. There is a day when we're all going to stand before God and give an account of the things that we've done in this body. So don't think folks are getting by with anything. They're really not. But, uh, but, but this is the condition of this poor guy that he was unsuspectedly caught in an indefensible situation and beaten up and abused by these thieves. Well, let me move on with the story and get off of my sidekick here. Um, let, let's meet the priest and the Levite because Jesus introduces these two guys in the story. First of all, notice that both of them were engaged in religious work. In fact, they were full-time employees in religious work. These were religious people that Jesus introduced here. One a priest. The priest was involved in the actual service, the actual sacrifice at the temple. 
That's probably where he'd been in Jerusalem for a service over which he probably prepared the sacrifice and offered the sacrifice up to God. This is a religious guy. The Levite, while he did not participate in that particular part of the activity, he was engaged and employed in the service of the temple. He did whatever work. I don't know whether he was a carpenter. I don't know whether he was involved in keeping the place clean or whether he was in, in preparing it. I don't know, but he was, he was the Levitical tribe was responsible for taking care of the things of the worship at the temple. So both of these guys are religious guys. I want to stop and say this today. Religion will not get you to heaven. Please understand that. Religion will not get you to heaven. We are so thankful you're here in church this morning. And, and I, I'm always thankful for you know, visitors that come, especially on holidays. You know, this is Columbus Day weekend. Schools are out, and so a lot of folks always vacation or take, take the weekend off when, when you have a day out of school. And, and so I'm always thankful for people who come. And I, I don't want to say, I'm, we're so glad you're here, but I do want you to understand this today, that going to church won't get you to heaven. Do we understand that? It's good to go to church. That's a wonderful thing. But religion doesn't get you to heaven. We received the offering a while ago, and thank you for your giving, and thank you for your tithe and your offering week after week. It's how we're able to do the work of the Lord here. And last Sunday, such a tremendous response. Thank you for that so that we can continue to help those that we're committed to in the missions works that this church uh, is involved in. And we, we thank you for that. But giving will not get you to heaven. It's not religion, it's relationship. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the shed blood that he gave his life at Calvary that we are born again and made part of the family of God. It's relationship. It's relationship. These guys were religious. But evidently they needed more than just religion. Because I, I want you to look at these guys. The first one, the priest, he came walking down the road and probably caught it in his peripheral vision. He probably looked over on the other side of the road and there lay this guy. And he probably snapped his head back real fast because Jesus said he walked right on by. It's as though in his mind, if I don't look at it, I don't have to deal with it. You know, there's a lot of people who are like that. They don't, you know, they, they don't want to look at those things. They don't want to go see what it's like to be homeless. They don't want to go see what it's like to live in a third world country. They don't want, it's, it's as though if you can, if you don't have to look at it, you don't have to deal with it. And that's kind of the attitude of this guy, even though he was a priest. And then comes along the Levite. He's, he's a little bit better. He does cross the road and take a look. But he concludes that this guy's too far gone. He's probably going to die anyway. I got a lot to do today. I got my own problems. And he goes back across the road and goes on his way and leaves him there. Both of them totally unavailable to the needs of this guy. They had a philosophy of life too. 
And I'll promise you that you have met some people that live by this philosophy of life. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Have you seen folks like that? Oh, yeah. They're all about themselves. They're so caught up in their own little world. Even their prayers are for me and my wife and my children, us four and no more. You know, they, they live by the idea that you get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Man, I'm going to keep it. I got it. I'll work for it. Ain't nobody going to touch it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> I've been preaching since I was 11 years old, and I've, I've lost count of the funerals, well over 1,000 and, and th- through my life. So I've been to a lot of funerals. And I'm not trying to be morbid. There was even a time in my life that I helped out at a funeral home. So if I didn't get enough preaching, I, I actually worked on that side of it too. So I, I've been to a lot of funerals. Did you know in all of my life, I have yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. I'm sorry. You, you're just not going to take it with you. You're just not. <laughs> Somebody asked, somebody asked a friend of John D. Rockefeller, said, how much did he leave? And he said, all of it. <laughs> That's how much you're going to leave. If you only live for this life. The only way that you can make your dollars count beyond this little short life that we live on planet earth during this little lifespan is to invest it in the kingdom of God. That's the only thing that's going to outlive you. Amen. Jesus talked about laying up treasures in heaven where thieves can't steal, the rust can't get to it, the stock market's not going to affect it, but you're going to be blessed forever. Jesus said you can't even give a cup of cold water in his name and lose your reward. God's got a good accounting system and he's got... Oh, praise the Lord for, for an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. But these guys didn't see that. Their idea was just, and, and yeah, sometimes religious people are selfish. This was a priest and a Levite that Jesus is talking about here. Listen, don't get upset when you see, see religious people mess up. They do. I have a friend that said... <laughs> He said, I've heard people talk about hypocrites in church till I'm convinced. He said, if I was, if I was starting a brand new church, said the first thing I'd do is try to find me a couple of good hypocrites. Because he said, every church has got them. <laughs> but listen, don't get upset about that. We're all just a work in progress. Amen. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you when you fell short, when you made some mistakes, when you acted in a way that you shouldn't? But he, amen. We're just all a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. That's what the church is. It's a hospital for the sinners. It's not a museum for the saints. Let God change your philosophy of life. And that's when Jesus, after presenting these horrible cases, comes up with a real jewel and he presents the good Samaritan. I want you to meet the good Samaritan here. The first thing I notice about the good Samaritan is that he was moved with compassion. 
Jesus said he had compassion on him. Now, folks, that's how you know somebody's really been born again and staying in touch with the Lord. Because that is an attribute of Christ. Do you realize that? Read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you will see that time after time before Jesus performed a miracle, the writer would say, and Jesus moved with compassion, reached forth his hand and touched him. One of my favorites, the way St. Mark starts off his gospel, chapter 1, verse 40, he said, A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down worshiped him and said unto him, Master, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Mark says, Jesus didn't just speak the word and heal him. He could have. There was actually no need as far as performing the miracle to do anything more than just speak the word. You remember one guy came to Jesus and he said, I'll, I'll go with you and heal your, your servant. And he said, no, 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 don't do that. Just speak the word and they'll be healed. That's the power of the word of God. But Mark says that Jesus, and he did this before he healed him. This is a leper's man. This is a man with rotten skin. This is a man that the skin is falling off of his body. This is a man that the stench of his disease was almost unbearable. Nobody would get close to him. And yet Jesus moved with compassion, stretched forth his hand and touched him. Now, that wasn't what healed him. It was the word that healed him, at least physically. But I got a feeling that he needed more than just a physical healing. There's no telling how many years it had been since that old boy had been touched by anybody. And Jesus touched him because he loved him. Because compassion is a feeling for somebody else. Here's the Samaritan. Samaritan is coming down the same road from Jerusalem to Jericho, 21 mile trek here. And oh, he stops and looks, and here's a guy that's been beaten up, half dead, naked, clothes torn off of him, taken from him. He's dying. And the Bible says, Jesus said, he had compassion on him. Compassion is a feeling. For what somebody else feels. Oh, wow. That's an attribute of Christ. That's a, and that's what you and I are supposed to be demonstrating to this world. Did you know that? Because that's how our Lord and Savior. And if he lives in your heart, if Jesus really lives in your heart and you're growing in the Lord and you're staying in the word and you're communing with God, that compassion will flow out of you as well. It comes from the love of God. God is love. And if Jesus is inside of us, that love will demonstrate itself by caring for other people. I love the writer of the Hebrews that says, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. Right this morning, while I'm preaching to you at the right hand of the Father, we have a, a, a high priest, we have an intercessor, a person making intercession for us, for our needs, who is moved with the compassion for us. He 
cares about what you care about this morning. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about the problems that you're dealing with. He cares about the burdens that you're carrying. He cares about the sickness you may be suffering right now. He's moved with compassion towards you. And this good Samaritan demonstrated that attribute of Christ by being moved with compassion. Secondly, he did everything he could to help him. He he reached out to him. He didn't leave him there. He didn't say, I've evaluated the situation. It looks hopeless to me. He said, oh, no, no. He said, as long as there's a breath in this guy, there's some hope. And so he did everything he could. He stopped to view the need. He cleansed the wounds. Jesus said he poured in oil and wine and cleaned those wounds. And then he bandaged those wounds. And then he shared his resources. I love that. He shared his resources. He put him on his own animal and uh, provided transportation for him. You ever thought about maybe the Lord would like for you to use that nice car he's given you? For somebody beside you. <laughs> Again, dating back many years ago, we had somebody that picked up a person that attended our church and they didn't have transportation. He came to me later and said, Preacher, you think maybe the church could maybe give me a little money to, he said, if I keep picking up these people, I'm probably going to have to put some new shocks on my car. (laughs) I I didn't tell him the church would buy him some new shocks. I offered to myself, maybe to help him out with him. Where is the heart to to give, to share? We, We could have bought him some new shocks, but he lost his reward. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad for it? Let me tell you something. If, if, if you will, if you will learn to share, you'll be amazed at what God will give you to share. He just will. He, he just will. God, God's just amazing like that. I, I remember a number of years ago, my wife and I, that there was a friend, they didn't go to our church, but, but they had become friends through our kids at school and and we found out that this, there was a single bomb. She was about to lose her job because her car had, her old car just give out, just broke down and given out. And Faye and I, at that time, where we lived, we, we turned on Pleasant Home Road and Daniel's Lincoln Mercury was right there on that corner and the used car lot was right there. I had spotted a late model Oldsmobile on that lot and, and, uh, Boy, I'd, I I liked it, and and, and uh, I had stopped and looked at it, and and we'd thought about maybe buying that car, and and um, Faye and I were talking about it one day, and I, I said, "Have you noticed that Oldsmobile?" And she had too, and I said, um, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but the the summation of the conversation was, "Let's go buy that car." But let's give it to this lady that's going to lose her job if she doesn't find transportation. And so I, I went into the 
to the Daniel's people and sat down with their, their um, head person. And he got me to the owner of the company and I told him what we were going to do. And I said, I want this to be anonymous. I don't want anybody to, I don't want the lady to know where it came from. What I want to do, I just want to pay you for the car and I want you to call her and, and bring her in and just title it to her. Don't, I don't want my name mentioned anywhere in it. Just, just give it. And you know, we enjoyed that car more than any of the other cars we'd been able to drive for ourselves. And the Lord started blessing us, and we were able to do that over and over and over again. I counted up the other day, and, 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 and at least 10 cars that God has blessed us through the years to be able to just anonymously, just, just without saying anything, just to give to somebody. And, and God has always took care of us, and we've been able to drive nicer cars than we were before that. Because if you'll be a conduit for the blessings of God, God will bless you and let his blessing flow through you. Amen? And I, and I will say that for anything. I'm just telling you, I give God the glory for that. It, it's, it's something you can learn in life. You, it, you'll be much happier than people who live with that idea of what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. If, if you, you see, the good Samaritan had a philosophy of life too, and here's his philosophy. His philosophy of life was, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to share it. Well, you're talking about enjoying life. When you're able to share it with somebody else, when you're able to bless somebody else, when you're able to give to somebody else, you did it last week. And by the way, any of you who didn't get to be here last week, if you'd like to give to our missions program, they stop at the atrium desk. They, they have those promise, faith promise. We don't make pledges. Pledges is what you determine that you can give. A faith promise is what you trust God to provide for you to give. And, and you say, I, I just, I'm going to stretch my faith out here and I'm believing God's going to do this and, 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 and I'll do it. And if God don't provide it, you don't know a thing. Amen. Don't, we don't want anybody under guilt and condemnation. You just do what God blesses you to do. But I, I'll tell you this. I, in fact, th this past week, I had somebody call me and he said, Pastor, Sunday morning while you were preaching in the mission service, said, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. And he said, I've blessed your business and I want you to plant a church every month this year out of your business. Wow. You're talking about faith. You're talking about a leap of faith, not a step of faith, a leap of faith. And he said, I waited to talk it over with my wife and they talked it over and they were in agreement. They were in one accord on that. And they said, we want you to know we're trusting God this month, this year, that every month we're going to plant a church on the mission field for new hope this year. Every month, one out of our business, we're, we're going to plant a church. Oh, let me tell you, you know what I'm excited about? I can hardly wait to see what God does for his business this year. Amen. I'm not saying give to get. I'm just saying that God loves the poor. And, and, and God said in his word that when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God pays his bills with good interest. And he won't be indebted to any of us. Amen. So I, I believe God will bless that business. I, I believe he will. I believe, I believe he'll multiply. Not only that, but the joy of the Lord that comes from saying, I'm going to be a neighbor. I'm available. I will bless. Will you stand with me, please, this morning? I'm going to close. I'm going to close by or conclude by asking you this question. Are 
you available? Are you available for your family? If you have a family member in need, are you available for a neighbor next door? Are you available for a person at work or perhaps you're available for a lost person beyond the borders? Notice what Jesus concluded with. And just hold that up there for just a moment. Je- the, go ahead to the next one, the, the, the last one there, the conclusion. You had it up there, right there. When Jesus finished telling the story, here's what he told this lawyer. after telling him about the good Samaritan. He said, now you go and do likewise. Go do likewise. In other words, if you want to demonstrate the kingdom of God, if you want to to demonstrate what being a neighbor is, you just go and do likewise. And that's the challenge that God would give to all of us today. Just, Just be like Jesus. That's all you need to do. Just be, and don't, don't try to make it hard. I'm not trying to get you under guilt and condemnation. I'm not trying to say you need to learn all of the right theological words and, and, and make a slick presentations and witness to everybody everywhere. You, I'm just saying just make yourself available to the opportunities that come before you. One of my f- favorite authors for many years, she's gone to be with the Lord now, but back in the 70s, she was very popular. Her name was Ann Kemal. I think I've read every book she wrote, and there was a bunch of them. But Ann, the reason, reason I was so fascinated by Ann Kemal's writings is because she was about the most ordinary person that you could imagine or ever meet. We got to hear at Richmond Academy one time. They brought her in here in Augusta. And Kima would just talk in just simple terms. And she, she would just, just do simple things. She wasn't, she wasn't gifted in any special gifting. She wasn't talented in any special way. She was always singing. She'd sing these little songs to people. And I've heard her sing. And I can tell you she wouldn't make our praise team. She wasn't talented to sing. She didn't have a good voice. But she just radiated with the love of Jesus. And she was just always looking for these opportunities. If somebody new would move into her apartment complex where she lived, she would show up at the door, ring the doorbell with some fresh baked cookies and say, Hi, I'm Ann Kemal. Would you like to have some cookies? I just made them. And if they said, Why are you bringing me cookies? And she'd say, Jesus loves you, and I do too. Just want to share the love of Jesus with you. Just simple things. And she was always singing these little songs. And like I said, she couldn't sing that good. But if she was in a a taxi cab, she would always, she'd ask the guy, can I sing you a little song? And she was always singing these little songs about Jesus, how he loves you. And most of the time, they would ask for more. And she'd share Jesus, and she won literally thousands of people to the Lord during her lifetime. God, just you, just an ordinary person that all she did was say, Lord, I'm available. I'm, I'm available. I'm available. Let me tell you when, you, when you have an experience with the Lord and you realize what he's done for you, and when you think about what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, It'll make you want to share with somebody else. We can't keep this to ourselves. Look, folks, 
If, if all the Lord wanted to do was give you some fire insurance when he saved you, you would have died when you got saved. He'd have taken you on to heaven. He left you here because he wanted you to help in kingdom service. We got a job to do. We need to share Jesus with others. You're his hands and feet in this world today. You and I are the only Jesus some people will ever meet. We need to be a good Samaritan. Amen. We need, to, we need to be available. I, I want our prayer teams to come quickly, if you will, please. And we're going to pray today, and the altars are open. And if you'd like to come during this time, people come and, and pray for whatever reason you may need to pray about today. If you're sick in body or if you need a job or if, you, if you're struggling in some area, whatever it may be. If you're unsaved, come and give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from God, come on back home. If you just want to get close to God, I'd like to ask specifically, just because of the subject matter that we're dealing with today, for all of those of you that would be willing to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm available. You can, you, if you can use me. There, there's a song we used to sing that says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Some of you remember that song. Are you available this morning? Just, just available. You know, the, the the good Samaritan did not. I don't believe. I don't believe he took a journey. I don't believe he went down the Jericho road just looking for somebody to help. I think he just he was on his journey and just happened to see somebody in need, and he saw that need as an opportunity to serve and to be a neighbor to somebody else. And, and if you're willing to say, Lord. I'm, I'm available. I'm, I'll just be available. I'd, I'd like for you to just, as an act of your faith, just saying, God, by the way, some of you, if you'll make yourself available to God, he may give you some extra resources to do things that you never thought you could do for his glory. But if you're willing and available, I want you to just make a step towards this altar. We can't all get down here, but just make a step this direction as, a, as an act of your faith saying, Lord, I'm available. You, you may only be able to get out into the aisle, but, but some of you can come and stand with us and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm available. I'm available. If you want special prayer, there's special, there are prayer team members here that will pray with you and for you. Or if you just want to find a place to pray alone. But if you're available today, Lord, help me to seize the opportunity. I'll be available. God bless you. Would you, would you sing for us? And we're going to pray together. God bless you today.